0: In this episode, you'll learn how to create a routine that helps you to focus on what you're doing and what you need to do and what your goals are for the future in a way that stops life just passing you by. Hello and welcome.
1: I'm here today with Suzanne
0: Story. Welcome, Suzanne.
1: Hello, how are you? And, uh, and great. for. Uh, thank you for having me. You look.
0: I saw your bio on Instagram, uh, not Instagram, LinkedIn, and went. oh, We need to talk because you've just had this incredible life change and an incredible life. So you you've got kids of your own. You've done the whole Brady Bunch thing. You've gone from being a an in office executive to like I was just reading through it. The NRL, Leighton, CBA, Qantas, and Unisys. And, Like, there is such a variety there. And then you did the whole tree change thing, bought a farm, and now you're a dairy farmer (laughs) and you do executive coaching remotely, I'm assuming, or in person. But it's just like, oh my God, there is such a range of differences in what you've done over your life. And I just found that fascinating. And then we got talking about menopause too, because nobody knows about menopause. I know, (laughs) I know. So tell me a little bit about your background. You I, I don't know where to start with it because there's so much of it. So yeah, where how did you end up going? Let's start there. Had what so executive in big companies and then you went to for the tree change to a farmer. What happened there?
1: Yeah. So during COVID, I was the crisis director for Insurance Australia Group, IAG. So, you know, some of the brands that they have include, you know, NRMA, CGU, et cetera. Um, and that was pretty intense. So that was across, you know, nine countries, you know, often 18 hours a day. And after that, I needed a rest. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we'd we always had, Col and I, you know, once we got married, we had on our you know, five-year, ten-year plan that we would buy a farm. We we both loved the South Coast. And and so we just said, well, why don't we do it now? Um, you know, during COVID, you know, it was a pretty challenging time and particularly in Sydney we got locked down. We bought the farm. Um, and the farm is a lot of hard work but it's a lot of joy as well. And I'd grown up on a farm, so not on the South Coast. So now we're at uh, just outside of jamboree a little place called Curramaw. But I'd grown up sort of in the central west, west of West Walong, you know, west of Ungery, out near Lake Angelico, and um, I'd always loved the farm, and and so for me, having this opportunity to do both, because I, you know, I I really feel blessed. You know, I have the um, not quite a it's not quite a dairy farm. We're in dairy country, but I grow um, dairy beef cattle, grass fed, um, and. I also, you know, and we've got sheep and chickens, a big orchard, huge veggie patches. Um, the kids love it. But I also get my, my taste of the city and that connection with people, with, which I love, through executive coaching. And I'm also the chair of Chris O'Brien Lifehouse. And so I'm in Sydney regularly, but this really beautiful balance.
0: It's amazing that you've been able to create that because it is such a different lifestyle living in the city, doing that kind of high level, high pressure job to moving out to, you were telling me, 60 odd acres with cattle and then working um, the hours that you want to work, not the hours that you need to work because of the company. How did you... What was that transition like? Because that must have been, I mean, I know you needed a rest, but it must have been a shock to the
1: system as well. It was definitely a shock to the system. I think um, transitions are hard. Even transitions that you planned for are hard because the planning might not be and and how you visualise it in your head and potentially in your heart might not quite be the same experience as the reality And so the things that I have found challenging, sometimes the juggle, so I will go from being, you know, in farm clothes, quick change, in the car, to Sydney, you know, in work clothes, corporate clothes. Um, Sometimes that that works, sometimes it doesn't quite work. You know, there'll be traffic snarls or something will go wrong on the farm. You know, one morning I got up, you know, was ready to go to work, um, you know, ready to leave at 6 and could hear a cow bellowing in the back paddock and thought okay I need to go and check on what that what's happening what that is and um had to get changed back into farm gear go across to the back paddock and found that you know one of the young calves had died and so then you know had to leave my husband to deal with that while um while I you know went back to the house got changed back into corporate gear got in the car and went to sydney Um, so it, it is a juggle, but I think, you know, the thing that I've loved the most over the last three years has been the increase in my practical skills. So I have, my, my confidence has grown enormously because there are problems every day on the farm and I just have to figure them out. And so, you know, learning how to weld, learning how to do plumbing, I've learned how to do electric fencing, like all these things that. Um, I didn't have experience in, you know, even as a child, um, you know, I now can do. And so I have confidence in facing problems and um, challenges that I didn't have before. So it's really grown my resilience. That's really interesting that, that you say that because it's,
0: you know, for a lot of people doing the kind of job you were doing is the pinnacle of success. But it's, it's in, and it's interesting that you've found a completely different kind of satisfaction and it's increased your confidence in doing something like farming. That's fascinating.
1: Hmm. Um, I always loved farming, even as a little girl. I, I loved being outside doing farm jobs. So I think, you know, it's sort of for me coming back full circle. Um, I grew up in a family with two brothers and it was always made known to me that they would go onto the farms that we had in the family and and so it was sort of make your own way in the world. <laughs> and so, you know, I, after boarding school, you know, went to Sydney Uni and uh, was at Women's College and studied economics, then stayed in the city because like, I got a job in the city and and that then sort of was the start of my corporate career, which I loved. And, you know, the thing I loved the most was leading teams, leading large teams and leading large teams through change. And so, you know, I've had to use lots of those skills over the last couple of years to lead me through change. I was just going to go there. How did
0: that support you? How do you lead people through change? Because most of us are quite naturally resistant to change. We like the familiar. I'm doing anything that's unfamiliar, particularly if we're already stressed or under some kind of um, pressure from something, making a change will be just far too much. And I'm thinking here, you know, say we've got stuff going on at home with one of the kids, you know, one of the kids is struggling. You just don't have the emotional capacity to go, I hate my job, but I just cannot think about that right now because I've got to focus on whatever's going on with the kids.
1: How do you yeah. juggle those, How do you deal with those things? So um, I'm pretty good at, at that focus, which is, you know, this is the thing that I need to focus on right now, so, sometimes so much so that when my kids were little and I'd be, you know, working away at, at home um, you know, concentrating on something that I was doing, that that, that would be the opportunity they'd come and, and say, they had this line which was, Mum, will you buy me a Porsche? <laughs> which they knew was never going to happen. Um, but it was just kind of this sort of funny joke that they had um, that that was just to remind me that they were there and that they needed some attention, whatever it was. Um so so that was, you know, that ability to really concentrate. And my husband says even now that, you know, I, I can just get lost in whatever it is that I'm doing and have that hyper focus for the period of time that I need to. Sometimes on the farm, I feel like it's just in time learning. Um, you know, we had, you know, a dam that we, uh, we had cleaned out. We've had a lot of rain over the last couple of months. Um, some plumbing hadn't been finished on that and I knew more rain was coming so you know I had to go and figure out how big the pipe was go to the irrigation shop buy the connecting pipe um you know go and plumb it in and wait for the rain and fortunately it helped uh which is great but sometimes it's just, just that just in time learning i think leading people through change um i think the first thing is doing a lot of listening and, and that is um really understanding where they're at, what their challenges are, what the organisation's challenges are and figuring out a plan together on how to improve it or to shift to whatever the destination is because if you don't do the listening and work with the people, it's going to be, you know, rejection and it's just not going to work. And so, lots of conversations, lots of engagement, um, lots of getting them involved, so that they can be the champions of whatever the change is, and have their fingers in the pie and own the change, um, and creating wins in that, so that you know you've got visible progress. It's like anything, you know. We we all want to see that we're we're making progress, and and certainly in the coaching work that I do with lots of clients, one of the tools I use is. Sphere of Silence. And it's a great framework for supporting people to see that they're making progress towards their goals. Because in the beginning, you know, one of the biggest challenges is that people feel like they're not making change, they're not making that improvement and they give up. Whereas the Sphere of Silence framework really helps you to see on a regular basis that you're making even small steps towards that, that larger change that you want and that you are you are making progress. So, what is Sphere of Silence? I've never heard of that. Mm. It's a um, it's a, a framework that um, you can do daily, and it's sixty minutes. Or you know, you you can do a, a, a cut down version. You know, three times thirty minutes at, at a time. You know, ideally it would be daily. But if we think about that sort of that hour, um, that sixty minute version. The first, the first 10 minutes of that is really reflection, and that is, you know, what did I do yesterday? What did I get done yesterday? What did I achieve? Yeah? Um, how did that feel? What were the, the great bits of yesterday? The second 10 minutes is um, writing down, and so this is not on technology. This is, you know, trying to do it old school, um, writing down what is it that I need to achieve today? Uh, what do I need to get done? And, you know, this is if you're doing it in the morning. And then that that um, that last 30 minutes is, you know, what are the next steps that I could take on some of my medium and long-term goals? And so that first 30 minutes is very much, you know, focused on, you know, what have I been achieving and making progress on and what do I need to do next today and, and longer run than that, you know, medium and, and longer-term goals. And so it really gets you focused on that. And that's the bit that builds your confidence because you can see I'm actually getting stuff done. Like I'm actually working towards things and I'm doing things that are aligned to my long-term goals. So it's not just, you know, stuff. It's stuff that's aligned to your goals. So that's the first half hour. The second half hour is, is three parts. The first part is reading. And that might be, you know, reading. I'll just show you what I'm reading at the moment. It's kind of fun. Um, Graham Creed's Weatherman Goes Bush book that that um, um, uh, a friend gave me over Christmas, and so um, you know it could be ten minutes of reading of that, and then the second ten minutes is reflecting on what you've read and what could be applicable. What would you like to incorporate in your life out of that? Is there something that that had meaning in that that period of reading? And by writing it down and doing it by hand, you're also helping your memory. So, you know, one of the unfortunate things is that my dad died of um, Lewy Body's dementia about five years ago and my mum has got dementia. And so I'm pretty focused on, on me doing whatever I can to do to be healthy into my 80s and my 90s. And so making sure that I'm using my brain, and training my brain is is pretty important to me, so this actually helps with that as well. So that's that that second part of that ten minutes in that second half hour, and then the final thing is ten minutes of meditation. And meditation is not something I'm great at, but I am persistent and persevere because I know it's so good for me. And and I've been you know for years practicing meditation, dipping in, dipping out, but over the last probably 18 months I've been much better at it. So, you know, a period of meditation during the day and then regular meditation at night. So I'm incorporating, you know, do you know a routine before bed of turning off devices, stretching, you know, all, all the normal things, clean your teeth, get ready for bed, you know, clean your face, all that sort of stuff. But also then meditation before I sleep.
0: So it that seems like a big an hour seems like a massive thing to do and a lot of people would go I just have not got time to do that what is the advantage of doing that why would you why mm. do you
1: have people do this yeah um and and I agree it's you know it's a big commitment to do it um particularly if you're doing the hour version so often I start clients off on just do it for 30 minutes three times a week. So they do a cut down version. So that first, you know, half hour gets shortened to 15 minutes, five, five, five. The second part gets shortened to 15 minutes, five, five, five. Um, The advantage and certainly the feedback I get from clients is that their um, confidence, as I, I talked to you about before, their confidence increases because they can see that they're making progress. They can see that they're making progress on things that are important to them. So I use this tool in conjunction with some other tools, You know, one which is a a long-term goal-setting tool called Wheel of Life. And it's helping people to think about what goals do they want to have, not just this year, but 15 years out. Who do they want to be 15 years out? So I was introduced to that tool in about 2006 and it changed my life. Because it was really the first time that, you know, I was a single mum. It was pretty hard. I was studying. I was working full time. And, and I I was just in the thick of it and really felt like I didn't have a lot of hope for the future. I, I just was, you know, trying to get through the weeks and the days. And so that tool really allowed me to think that I could choose the life that I wanted. And that's what I've done. And it, it's multifaceted. So it's across, you know, health, career, relationships, what sort of home do you want to have? Where do you want to live? Um, How are you contributing to your community? What legacy do you want to leave in the world? So it's sort of a multifaceted tool that if you spend the time thinking about those things, you're much more likely, you know, the research says you're 42% more likely to achieve your goals if you write your goals down. And then, you know, the second part to so that is you're much more likely to achieve your goals if you reflect on your goals regularly and check in with them. And that sphere of silence tool that we just talked about, that really helps you to do that. Um, for some people, it might be the first time they've been exposed to meditation, as an example. And so for them, that could be the takeaway, which is that quietens their brain. It It lets them disconnect from, you know, whatever the busyness of their their day and week is and helps them to sleep if they're doing the practice at night time, let's say. Um, for other people, the takeaway is, you know, and some clients I have struggle to focus because they're they're on digital devices all the time. And so, you know, they make comments, which is, you know, I just can't read a book anymore. Well, this helps them on that journey of getting back to connecting back to actually enjoy reading I'm going to do it just for 10 minutes. And then I'll think about what I read, you know, for the next ten minutes, or I'll read for five minutes, or I'll just read for 10 minutes and that could, could be it. But it will get them back into the habit of, oh, this is actually enjoyable and I can focus if I give myself permission to sit and not be distracted by other things.
0: I think that's that's a key, isn't it? Sit and not be distracted by other things because personally I find I get to the end of the day quite often or the end of the week and I go what happened to the week (laughs) and feeling like every day is the same and I'm not getting anywhere and I am but my experience is I'm not doing what I should be or not doing as much as I could be doing I'm not doing the right things I got distracted by blah and and yet, I don't actually waste any time. So, and I think a lot of people experience that, oh. don't they? The, the wheel—you are just on a treadmill doing stuff.
1: Yeah, and and certainly, you know, one of the um, one of the phrases that I love, and I certainly use this as a focus. Um, you know, one of the years that I was leading a big team was "do less to achieve more," which is, and that. That is achievable if you focus on what your priorities are and you don't do other things. So one of the things you know I had to learn to do was to say no which it, and, and one of the ways that I got myself to being okay with that because that's not something you know I'm used to being a people pleaser and and saying yes and trying to help and and sometimes that would be at my personal cost. Like, I would do something for somebody else rather than getting an hour's sleep that I needed, or do something for somebody else um, rather than exercising. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. I am in a phase of my life, you know, the kids have grown up. Yes, we still, you know, have a lot of time with the kids that they, you know, come down to the farm and we spend time with them, or we see them in other places up in Sydney. But, I'm now at a period of my life where I can be a bit more selfish about how I spend my time and that would never have happened. I just didn't allow myself to do that before. Um, so learning how to say no and one of the tips that, that you know, I'll give you is that's a great opportunity for somebody else. Thank you for thinking of me. I I, I can't take that on right now, but I think that's a great opportunity for someone else. And there might be two or three people that you could recommend. Um but it's, you know, because not every opportunity you're going to be able to do, you you, you have a limited capacity, limited same in a number of hours as everyone else has in the day. And if it's something that's important to you, say yes. But if it's something that's important to them and is not in your plan, then then have the courage to say no. Because we can get all distracted on, you know, helping others, which is great, but it might come at not achieving your goals.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that goes back to, I'm
1: remembering a uh,
0: oh, uh, same thing about around 2006 and somebody um, had a chart she, and she said, it was our business coach, and she said, okay, so that thing, is that on your, uh, what was it? It's, in, it's on my critical path, is it on your critical path or their critical path? And, yeah. and there was this whole chart that she did. Yeah, and to assess every single thing that came in, you know, about can you explain that because I've kind of forgotten it, but it, mm. it was ringing up with that kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. So you know, um, there will be many more opportunities for you. You know, people will be saying, "Can you help me with this? Can you do this? Would you be interested in doing that?" There'll be many more opportunities coming to your inbox on you know people ringing you, people that you um, you know see in person than you could ever do, and so. Having to be a bit clinical um, and there's a great book called um, Essentialism, which uh, is a fantastic read and and really helped support me to learn to say no <laughs> which was which was great, but that um, you know I'll put the the critical path concept in a, a slightly different way, which is you know I say it you are the star of your movie yeah, and so you know is this a scene in your movie that you want to be the star of and in or is it for somebody else because um because you you know other people will try and co-opt you into you know helping them doing things that would be fantastic for them and, and might be right for them but might not be right for you right now some of them might be, and you can assess that, but it's a hell of a lot easier to assess that if you're clear about your values and your goals. And again, back to you know, your, your goal setting, much more likely to achieve your goals if they align to your values. You know, where people, and, and certainly my clients, find the most conflict is where they're spending time doing things that are not aligned to their values. And so getting crystal clear on that is the start. That's where I always start with my clients. It's funny you say that
0: because that's come up for me in the last 12 months. Um, You know, I've been feeling a bit off for several years Hmm. and my husband split up about a year ago now. And I've realised that most of that feeling of things not being right was actually because slowly, 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 I'd moved away from being in alignment with what's important to me and doing Mm. the things that's going to move my life forwards and make me feel good. And it's not about being selfish, but it's it's almost like it was so little by little by little over the years I didn't realise what was going on. And it's only having the opportunity to sit down, reassess things and go, okay, Um, that's actually not important to me. What is important to me is this and then starting to realign myself constantly. And it's, and I'm surprised like all the time, a couple of nights I sat down and went, oh my God, I've just realised blah and I hadn't realised that. And it's so far away from what is important to me. And it's just, yeah, and, and it's, I think where I'm going with this is I think that's the case for a lot of women when they get to midlife because we've yes. maybe given up stuff or we've done stuff because of the kids or because of our jobs or because of our husbands or whatever or we're a single mom. all of those things, and we don't realise just how far away we are from what's important to us. And that can be the, the basis of that feeling of, oh, I'm not happy. I yeah. Think.
1: Exactly. And that can bubble up in lots of different ways and you know it can impact your health. It can definitely impact, you know, your relationships and how you turn up to relationships. Um, so getting that sorted, you know, spending the time reflecting, um, and, and then working out what do you want your next chapter to be and you getting to choose. Um, you know, that's the stuff that I, I love doing with clients and, and working with clients to to help them navigate that transition that process
0: and that's one of the things you do with the silence and everything so just just as a complete random question here do you mainly work with women or men or is it both and is there a difference in the way they do this is there a a difference in how they respond to it and um
1: the way it impacts them yeah for sure so i work with both men and women Um, I think with women generally, it has been either transitions, which we've just talked about, you know, that stage of life where, you know, what is it I want to do now? Um, You know, with the career coaching, the business coaching that I do, particularly in the city, um, a lot of that is supporting them through their leadership journeys and their career progression. So it's a little bit different. Um, And then Um, One of the things that we've set up on the farm is Twin Figs Farm workshops, which are sort of retreats for people where they can come for one or two days. And on the first day, it is really focused on what are their values, you know, doing reflection, reflection work, you know, what's working my life, what do I want to change, who do I want to spend time with, who do I want to be, um, what do I want to learn. Uh, we're, we're built, we're wired to learn. And so thinking about, you know, what do I want to learn in the future this year, you know, next year? Um, so getting them to the reflection, the values work, getting crystal clear on, you know, what are their values? And then that wheel of life, 15-year goal setting and the, and giving themselves permission to dream about what sort of life do they want to live in 15 years' time? And then working backwards, that steel thread through that of, you know, across the, all the different categories What are the next steps that they need to take to make that a reality? Um, I think men go through exactly the same challenge. You know, from my experience, they're they're thinking at different stages of their life, you know, is this working? Is this not working? What do I need to change? And so the the toolkit is flexible enough to accommodate different life stages. Um, Does it present itself a little differently? potentially but but i see you know in the conversations that i have with people um with men and women common common challenges and um and then common solutions which is great as well so for some people it is you know helping them to remember to be a bit selfish and take the time to exercise as an example or to get enough sleep or to connect with friends, we know now like there's a huge body of research that says that you know in order to ling- live a long and fulfilled life, um, connection with with others is critical to that to that you know having a long and happy and healthy life. so um, you know getting them to focus on what are- what are their relationships and the quality of their relationships that's one that I'm focused on this year because you know potentially and I certainly felt it a little last year. Um, being on the farm, you can be a bit isolated. You know, even though I'm only 20 minutes from Kiama, you know, two hours from Sydney, but when you're actually out here, it can be very quiet, which is great, um, but I'm making more of an effort to to make friends in the local community, you know, doing things like, you know, taking up golf again. Col and I are doing golf lessons together. We're doing that, that as part of our date days, but I'm going to join, you know, women's golf competition. And that's an opportunity to connect with, other local women, and to start a a book club um, out here on the farm, so that uh, you know it, it incorporates lots of things. As I said, you know, reading's really important again for that that longevity and, and keeping your brain active, but it gives me an opportunity to you know connect with people. Um, so you know, lots of lots of great things sort of happening out here at the farm, and it incorporates you know some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Um the second day of the um, the retreat we, we really focus on that um, healthy and and wellness aspect of life. So we go through you know nutrition and hydration, and I'm studying nutrition at the moment, so nutrition and hydration, sleep, exercise, um, stress management, and then turning all that research into practical goals. Um, and Atomic Habit's a great book. Um, so, so how do you actually convert, oh, this is a great idea, this is a goal that I have, into the actuality of doing the doing so that the outcome is what you want because that's what you want to achieve. Like it's not just the, you know, writing the goal down on a piece of paper. It's like how do I actually make that and bring that to life, make it happen and bring it to life. So um, I'm really enjoying the workshops as well. We've got one coming up on the 8th and the 9th of March um, and they're really enjoyable because they're again a mix of men and women of different ages you know we've we've had some people who have been you know in their their late teens early twenties right through to you know people in their seventies so it 's not that it's age bound either, and there is joy in bringing people together the you know the acronym you know i r l in real life <laughs> like you know I, I know it's fantastic that we can do this you know, virtually, but there's also absolutely joy and, you know, a really human element in being together in person.
0: What's been your biggest challenge over the
1: years? Perfectionism. (laughs) I wish I had learnt a long time ago. I learnt it later in my career than than I should have, and it was probably back to partly being because of my career, like my first training. um, So I did an economics degree and then did a master's in tax law and being right, getting it right, getting it correct was really important. And so I applied that level of diligence to everything. And so, you know, in my early career as a leader would have been an absolute pain in the ass to work for. Um, and, And I improved as I got older and more experienced because, yes, there are some things that need to be perfect. And, you know, I'll give examples of board papers where they absolutely need to be right because the board, you know, of companies will then be making decisions based on the information that you're putting to them and you want to make sure that you're presenting that accurately but also that you're making it easy for board members to read the paper and make a decision, be informed. Um, that doesn't. That level of diligence doesn't need to apply to everything that you do in everyday life. And one of those that I had to learn was um, in relation to having a clean house. So I was a single mum. I was working full time, three little kids, um, they're studying. And so I had to learn that it didn't have to be perfect and that was okay and I wasn't a failure because, you know, the floor didn't get washed that week or whatever it was because it was actually more important that sometimes i got sleep that the kids and i went to the park and actually played and laughed with each other um there were things that were a higher priority but i was pretty tough on myself and i'm a lot more gentle with myself now doesn't doesn't mean i let myself get away with stuff and make excuses but i'm just more thoughtful about where i spend time and where i can not waste effort and so you know with my team I used to say to them you know is working on this for another hour going to improve the value for the client if it was a client that we were working for um, if that's so then you know continue to work on it is working for on it for another six hours really going to improve the value so much more and if it was then that's fine but often you can spend six hours just tweaking something and it's actually not going to make a difference and so I've got better at making those judgment calls on when will it make a difference and when won't it and that's both professionally but also personally and that could be actually the the most important you know hour I can spend today is sitting and having a cup of tea with one of the kids or working on the farm fencing and chatting to them about their week and their life and That's the most important thing right now. Did you manage? Because to have
0: a full-time job, three young kids, and be studying at the same time as a single parent, how did you arrange your time so that you fulfilled all those roles? I mean, I can imagine that you could not be a perfectionist when you got that situation going
1: on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there were a couple of funny stories. The kids got (laughs) colour-coded. And so that meant they had, <laughs> that just made my life easier. So colour-coded in terms of, you know, undies, lunch boxes, socks, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, and they had, you know, boxes at the front door which were, you know, red, blue and green and they knew theirs was a box. So if I was missing a green lunchbox, I knew which child, you know, hadn't got their lunchbox, retrieved their lunchbox out of their bag. Um, so I, I did, you know, quick tips and tricks like that. Um my my parents were super supportive. So, you know, mum and dad, um, really at the time when I, I split up with my ex husband, um, they let me ten grand so I could move out. Um, you know, got got sorted and set up, but even beyond that, um they they really were actively involved. So, you know, mum would come, you know, every couple of weeks and or if I needed to travel for work, she would just come and stay so that I knew that um, the kids would be, you know, loved, supported, cared for while I was away. So I was super fortunate that um, that I had their support and they lived only a couple of hours away. They just lived in Kiama actually. So it was, you know, it was really easy. Um, I think... My friend network, my girlfriends particularly, were really, really helpful Um, just to have those conversations, you know, when things were going well, but also when things were not going well. For a period of time, I didn't do stuff that I really should be doing, like exercise. Like I I was probably exercising once a week, not, you know, (laughs) once a day. Um, It was just a matter of making decisions around, you know, what I could do, what I couldn't do. While the kids were little and, and, you know, I had that going on, I was working studying. I took up painting again. I hadn't painted since I'd, you know, been a teenager because painting was something that I could do to relax and get into flow at home while the kids were in bed sleeping. So that was, you know, a, a way that I found to um really, you know, have a focus and bring joy and disconnect from work. Uh it was pretty challenging. It it wasn't ideal by any stretch of the imagination. But um you know, when I think about and I talk to the kids about, you know, what do they remember of their childhoods and what, you know, what are their some some of their happy memories or, you know, what have they reflected on that they learnt from me? So certainly work ethic they learnt, um, and they they all have that in spades. Um, but they remember cooking. That's one of the activities that we did together. You know, as a family, we would uh, always have Sunday night you know, roast dinners and the kids would get involved in cooking or they'd be helping me, you know, make dessert or cakes or whatever it was and they're all excellent cooks. You know, I've got three boys and they're all great cooks so, um, you know, their girlfriends are pretty happy about that um, and it's it, it's nice hearing that. They, they remember that we would do that, we would have music on, we'd be dancing in the kitchen. Yeah, so it's funny the things that they remember and foods are very connecting and and loving um part of life so you know i'm glad that that that's part of what they remember and they still they'll ring me and say mom can i have that recipe can you tell me what's in that or "Mum, i'm coming down and can you cook this <laughs> so they still get in their uh their special requests it's funny, that it never changes, does it?
0: I ended up starting, yep. I've got a little website going that's got all my recipes on for the kids. <laughs> so I'm fantastic. fed up sending to sending recipes,
1: you know, to all the different kids. Oh, go and look on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is one of our projects we, we talked about over Christmas is um, we're going to have a, a family and friends cookbook, which will be fantastic. So that's one of the projects for this year so that people can contribute and, and now our family is getting broader because, as I said, you know, Colin got, I got married um, five years ago. So we've got between us seven kids. Some of those seven kids have got partners. Those partners have families. Those families have special recipes. And so it's all getting incorporated into the cookbook with, you know, photos of, you know, whoever, you know, if this is, you know, grandma and it's her scone recipe or somebody else. And there has been a little story about that. Um, and I'm sure that it's going to be, you know, something that they'll all appreciate, um, in the years that come, but just, you know, such a fun project to work on with them. That is a great idea. I really like that. Yeah. Cause it, it's the things that really matter. It's, you know, it's family, it's connection. Um, food has a big role to play in that, and, and that's part of you know that was part of Cole's and my driver for creating Twin Fits Farm because we we love food, but we love healthy food and and the opportunity to grow our own and eat our own and to show our kids and one day grandkids um, where food comes from and that it can can be delicious and nutritious. Um, eating with the seasons, pickling, preserving, you know, making jams, um, you know, taking stuff straight out of the garden and bringing it straight in and eating it, which is fantastic. But it, it's, uh, it takes a lot of work. And I think that's also part of the joy is that you see, you know, from a seed, you know, growing something, it, it just amazes me, you know, planting something and then it turns into, you know, this big stalk of corn or, um, we had, You know, I think my big discovery last year was that celery actually tastes nice. Like I grew a crop of celery and it was fantastic. You know, for months and months and months we just had this amazing, you know, probably eight or nine plants of of celery that were big bushes and I could just go off and cut celery, but it actually tasted like something. Um, Yeah, it was just, yeah, fantastic. So it's just been, um, you know, a joyful experience being able to and I know we're very fortunate being able to grow our own but before we had the farm I actually converted the garden when Colin and I got married at, at his house into five veggie patches so the lawn was replaced with five veggie patches and and that was the beginning of our you know grow it for ourselves and uh yeah the, I I guess you you just have to find what brings you joy there are, there are, there are days I'm out in in the paddock and you know the cows will do something crazy they all have different personalities the calves will be chasing each other around and I'll just notice that I've got a huge grin on my face um and you take those those little moments that uh that bring you joy and remember those because you know there are times in life where it's more challenging than that um but having that hope that there'll be those happy moments and moments of joy and creating those moments is important. We're going to have to wrap up in a minute and there's so many topics that we haven't covered
0: that I wanted to. That's okay. What is, just to finish off, what is the biggest difference between your life and and in terms of, the things you enjoyed and the things that you miss, you know, the two sides of it, the positives and the negatives, from being in the city where you were a few years ago to where you um, are now, what, what are the differences that you notice?
1: Um, um, now um, I am much more peaceful, peaceful as a person. So it's, it, as I said, I, I've got more confidence in my ability to deal with challenges and I think I was pretty good at that before but you know this is (laughs) farming's a whole other level and it's a very practical level and I think my dad would be really proud of me if you know he could uh, and his ashes are actually you know planted um, under a tree on the farm Um, but I think that that confidence that I've got now in being able to face challenges and deal with them very calmly I think the thing I miss the most is the teams that I led. Um, I really enjoyed seeing individuals in my team succeed and us succeed as a team, um, towards whatever goals we'd set for ourselves for the year or, or the years that, uh, that we were, you know, looking at in terms of horizon. Um, I really miss that. But, I don't miss that enough because I've had a a few opportunities where people have said, oh, would you be interested in this role coming back into, you know, executive career? Um, The thing that I love the most now is that, yes, I've got this diverse hybrid life and I wouldn't give it up because this brings me joy and the challenge of having to juggle those two what seem very different, sometimes they are, um, very different ways of living. I wouldn't give this opportunity up to go back into an executive career, which is really they're demanding. They're, you know, six days a week and sometimes all-consuming and I'm just not at that stage of my life anymore. There, there are other things I wanted to learn and do and, and that was the discussion Colin and I really had, which was we could continue to do executive roles and they were very fulfilling and, you know, gave us, you know, meaning and status and, you know clearly, you know, money as well, we're well paid. Um, This life's very different. And it doesn't come with many of those advantages, but it comes with different versions of success. You know, success is not all about the money you're earning. It's much broader than that. So for me, it was time to look at a different way of living and a different chapter, because I don't want to look back at the end of my life and say well this was just the narrow view of me and what I did I want to explore you know other things that bring me joy and and that's what I'm getting to do now can you
0: tell people how to get in touch with you and it will be on the web page that goes with Mm -hmm. the podcast as well
1: absolutely Um, probably the two easiest ways so LinkedIn Suzanne's story um, on LinkedIn or on Instagram Suzanne's Story or Twin Figs Farm which is our property so um, any of those ways and you'll be able to connect with me. Fantastic thank
0: you so much this has been a journey of discovery it's been great thank you.
1: <laughs> Fantastic thanks Karen I've really enjoyed it have a great day. You too.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Life After Menopause. We look forward to talking to you next week. Make sure you connect with us on social media and click on the subscribe button so that you don't miss another episode. See you next time.